emotionally tells you something like a Mike Bloomfield or or or, or, or a Easy Kane, you know, or, or someone like that. I know they mean it. You know, I mean BB BB's not was not on an ego trip, you know. Mike was not on an ego trip. In fact he withdrew from the music business because isn't that amazing? We're talking about three guys that played that were very influential. Mike Bloomfield, Peter Green and 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 and, and BB King. Mike Bloomfield, Bloomfield withdrew from the music business because he didn't like the Shuck and Jive. On this episode of Playtime, blues legend Joe Lewis Walker, plus special guest, the guitar slinger Andy Watts from his home in Israel. I'm your host, W.C. Turk. Songwriter and producer in the 1993 release of B.B. King's Grammy award-winning album, Blue Summit, featured a duet with Walker on his original Everybody Had the Blues. He is also an inductee in the, in the Blues Hall of Fame and was nominated for a Grammy in 2015. His latest album is Electric Electric. And we were scheduled to uh, talk about a year ago, so let me just get through a couple of these uh these COVID questions and get these out of the way. Uh, how are you getting through the lockdown? Uh, what are you binge watching to pass the time these days? That's over. Uh, how about those stimulus checks? Huh? How are you spending yours? So uh, we, we, we got that out of the way. We're, we're cleaning the house. Here. <laughs> Joe, it's, uh, it's, it's great to hear your voice, man. Thank you. Thank you. It's good to see you. And uh, so, I would be remiss if I didn't uh, if I didn't say this. First of all, you're going to be performing live here in the Chicago area on September 17th at Haynoni. Uh, Haynoni is uh, at uh, 10 South Vale Avenue in Arlington Heights. The number there is two two four two zero two zero seven five zero. Have you performed there before? Yes, I have. I performed there uh, in the. Um, I, yeah, I guess in the middle of the pandemic, I was. I did yeah. a tour. I did a Midwest tour of uh, of, of uh, Minnesota, Minneapolis, and and Iowa, and several other places. And 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 we this our first time at playing there at Hanani, which is a great little place. I love uh-huh. it. Uh-huh. Uh huh. It, it it's it's really intimate and. Uh... Right, it's 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 a great it's a great place. It's a great club. I, I'm it's so brilliant. yeah. So so I was talking with Andy. I was at out at a barbecue last night, talking with mostly theater people, and they were there was a there was a mixed bag of of reactions to to people coming back to to clubs and to theaters. Theaters maybe a little bit more difficult. I, we we spoke with people at, towards the end of the pandemic in which they were separating parties by you know a couple of seats or a seat to increase that that distance and if if they could some some little storefront places can you're kind of 
in the middle of an ambitious tour. And, and I know uh, Andy is uh, is doing a, a tour in, in Israel there. What are you guys seeing as far as return to uh, to clubs? I, I did I, I did a tour, but um, I'm at home now. Uh, yeah. I'm at home in, in Mid-Hudson, New York. Uh-huh. So what I've been doing is flying out a lot of, and, and we'll rent a car. Like when I flew home to San Francisco, we rented yeah. a, a car yeah. and we played for three days. And I had to fly to Calgary to play with the silent partners, Tony Coleman and Russell Jackson okay, uh, and, and, and Jonathan Ellison. Uh, it, it's hard to look back in, in, in history, but if you can look back to when people were uh, after a shift that a, um, uh, a worker would do with people would give them standing ovations mm-hmm. and clapping and, and, and begging Dr. Fauci or whoever to come up with a, um, with, with an antidote or with yeah. a vaccine. Yeah. Uh, I remember those days. Yeah. I remember people, you know, uh, praying for a vaccine. Yeah. Uh, uh, so, um, I was glad to be able to go out and to perform for a little bit. And then I, but I was sick when I performed. I was really sick. So uh, we think that I had COVID then um, because the testing was not very good. Uh-huh. So I spent uh, quite a few days pretty beat up. Okay. <laughs> okay. But um, uh, I, I was glad to be able to, you know, move around and do what I do. And then you fast forward to now. Well, to now, um, I think that the common I hate to say, um, I won't say the common knowledge is, but it seems like a lot of people say, well, you know, we're, we're through with COVID. Yeah, but but unfortunately, COVID's not through with us. So um, all of my friends who are touring, doing big tours, uh-huh. they tour in the bubble. Uh, you, you know what the yeah, bubble yeah, is, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. For those, that, the, those that don't know what the bubble is, is that you leave the tour from day one, you stay in the bubble with the mm-hmm. people that are on the tour. Yep. So if you're yep. sound man and his wife and his dog and his puppy and his cat and his hamster are all in the bubble, they stay in the bubble yeah. for the remainder of the tour. And you can't come in and out of the bubble. You can't have your best friend, you know, I don't care if your best friend Paul McCartney, you can't come <laughs> in the bubble. He can't uh-huh. come in the bubble. And he, I'm sure it's the same with his. So now it's, 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 it's to that point. And, you know, it's a combination of that. And people saying, you know, it's all over with, you know, and also it's a combination of one of these days, uh, somebody's going to tell us, you know, <laughs> the CDC or or somebody going to somebody going to let us know, you know, <laughs> what direction get us all to row in the same direction. Yeah, you know? yeah. But it, it, you're right. It's not over. And uh, Shirley King is going to is going to dial in in a little bit. And she just got over COVID, and she's she's fully vaccinated. So and yeah, yeah. I so, just got I just got over it. Yeah, fully vaccinated. I just got over it. Yeah, eighteen days. Yeah, you know. But, and, but you know, I, I have to say this: well, you, uh, well, you and she are the same age. You're you're in. So am I. You know, we're all in that high risk group. But they they say that it could be much much worse for for those people if uh if you aren't vaccinated and thank god you were well I, i've i've been a vaxxer since i was a little kid and they gave me polio <laughs> shots yeah so there you I, go i'm sorry for 
all my anti-vaxxer friends, but I've been a vaxxer. They, they, they took me. They, I was screaming and crying. I was crying because I, when I was a little kid, I was scared oh, of evil. Oh man, like I most remember those kids. Yeah, but um, a couple of things that I'm glad I missed with that was polio. Uh, uh <laughs> you know, <laughs> and things like that. So once the science shows itself, yeah, be yeah. it climate change or be it vaccinations, yeah, um, I have a tendency to 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 think that clients does science doesn't have a political party. Yeah, uh, that, absolutely. That, that's my way of looking at it. And and the the climate doesn't have a political party. Mm-hmm. So when you know when when things like this start to happen, you know, as a person with with deductive reasoning, I start to thinking, you know, um, what what is what it what is so different now that I'm seventy two than when I was forty two? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Climate wise, what is so different now? Um, when since I grew up in California and there was droughts in California since before I was born in the 30s and now there's droughts where I live here in du- in Dutchess County yeah all over the country yeah and, and you know so it, it's just I try to put two and two together and 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 try to you know um try to enjoy myself you know in in in, in life and, and play my music and and for me, I got I got to be honest. That that's a that's a cathartic thing for me. It's saving grace. Well, you're gonna you'll to... you'll hit big you'll hit big in Arlington Heights. Uh, you won't even have to play a note. You can just get up and talk politics. <laughs> well, I I didn't know I was talking politics. I thought I wasn't. <laughs> first say this andy watts is an international blues sensation a real guitar slinger his website is andywattsguitarslinger.com uh andy watts uh, features mr walker for his song burning deep uh which was the second single which was released from uh from his album super groove so so andy before before we get too deep into into the recording of that album and that song with uh, uh with joe what are you seeing in the clubs well, first of all, is thanks for having me, and it's so great to hear my my lovely friend Joe Joe Louis Walker always been mm-hmm. inspiration for me, and it's it's great to hear from that he's healthy back after the COVID. We all uh, we all dealing with that these days, and uh, yeah. Well, in, when we're talking about Israel, you know, Joe knows it because he's been here three times with me. You can go one hour in each direction. That's the end of the country. So when you're touring, <laughs> it's slightly smaller than. <laughs> 
Latin America, Latin America. However, we are, we are playing a lot. We are playing a lot. The things are coming back. The venues are back on track. And uh, it's um, Joe has been a, a good part of that. You know, a lot of great guys from America coming over to Israel with the purpose of growing the blues audience in Israel. And that's, I've seen it for the past 10 years, you know, that yeah, the yeah. audience is growing. They, they, they want have a better, to have the level that guys like Joe is bringing with them, the attitude that they have and all the knowledge they have. And, and that, that's great to see. So we're playing a lot and we're trying to keep busy. And okay. I believe just what you said, you know, the, the COVID-19 has not had its final word yet. You know, we just going to stay, stay safe with that. And, uh, but it doesn't seem to be as deadly anymore as, as it was, as it once was. Yeah, Israel been on the forefront, you know, as a bit yeah, of vaccination yeah, yeah. Uh, booster. So, I mean, that that kind of thing, that's not been any kind of clapped on attitude from people here, you know, that yeah. the boycott values when people take the vaccination, you know. It's, it's very common. Everyone is vaccinated and uh, people keep the, the distance. It's, it's working at the moment, you know. It's just working great. Mm -hmm. So, you, uh, uh, Joe, you were on Andy's album, uh super groove did you guys uh did you guys record in the studio together and then did you play on stage at all well so we, we we did we did the uh yeah, yeah we played on stage yeah we did the um video together okay um but the track and that track andy sent me i i played on a couple of uh, several andy's albums yeah the first album was he did with the Blues Rebels was the group that he had with with several other great musicians, right? And right. I produced that that record. So I came over there and stayed over to the kibbutz for about a week, and I played on that and sang on it a little bit. But they, that's one of the, one of the best records, uh, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, any group anywhere made good original material. I mean, great great band interplay. It was just wicked. And then at the next record, the next record I did with Andy was um, was the record was one of his solo records, which which we did, mm -hmm. which uh, which I really enjoyed. So I, I've got somewhat of a history with Andy, and, and we played a lot live on stage. Uh, I'd say seven, eight, nine, ten times, you know. So I mean, we we can do the two guitar thing, and and uh, we we got some of the same inspirational play, players, be it Peter Green or be it BB King. 
Oh, you yeah, know, we, yeah. We, we both go to the same trough, you know, for that. And, and not only as players, but as people, you know, um, they, they were uh, fortunate. Uh, um, I was fortunate to know both of those guys. And, and Andy sort of channels both of them because Andy doesn't play a lot of notes. But the notion he plays, he feels. Yeah. You know, <laughs> and, and I sort of like that style of playing. Thank you, Lo. And yeah, that's what he is. And I also felt connection with Joe straight away because, but Joe, what I like is that it's not to put it in a certain category. I'm pretty much the same. You know, you have an album, you can go from blues rock, psychedelic to to gospel to to anything in between the blues. You know, I think yeah. that's 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 what the future of the blues is. You know, you have to widen the concept of it. You know, and that that, that suited me and. That I think the reason that it's it's suited so well on the albums on on the Blues on Fire or or, or on the Burning Deep songs that we record together just just hit it right on you know. You guys, you guys both play very um, very comfortably through through a number of of genres. But uh, I I I guess I wanted to ask you um, this, Joe. Willie Dixon gave you great advice about guitar solos do you remember that well willie gave willie gave me a lot of advice okay but, uh, especially about about the what a song should do yeah 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 <laughs> you know i mean it's literally like he studied he would go study the effects of his songs on the way musicians played them the way people accepted them and he, he told me years ago he says you know several things you know he says you know, Joe, you doing a bad version of you is better than you doing a good version of somebody else. He said, wow. I, he, said I, he said, I won't name them. And then he right. then he proceeded to name several blue stars, big time stars uh -huh. who Willie would, Willie would not produce. He said, Joe, I wouldn't produce this guy because he wants to sound like B.B. King. I wouldn't wow. produce this guy because he wants to sound like Muddy Walk. He says, I don't I don't want he says, I figured out your style. Joe, your style is all over the place and it suits you. He said it suits you very well because you you grew up on gospel, you grew up on blues, you grew yeah. up listening to jazz, you grew up listening to English rock, you grew up listening to all that stuff, and then yeah. you have your father from Cleveland, Mississippi, you know, and, and we all. So he gave me that, and he told me, you know, work on your if you're gonna solo, try to make it so people can remember it, and you don't have to play all day and. You know, nobody goes home humming guitar solo. Yes, very yes. few people, and I can name them for you. Buddy Holly's one. You can you can hum words of love solo. Da, 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 da. Hold me close and tell me how you feel. Tell me love is real. Words of love you whisper soft and true Darling, I love you mm -hmm. scale, but he was great at doing that. He was just a master. I mean, I, Buddy Holly's been doing that, 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 that melodic thing. And I think back then, Richie Valens, to to a degree, okay, you know, with, with Donna and stuff like that. Uh -huh. and, and back then, you had a a finite amount of time to say what you had to say, and and the, and whatever musically we're doing, I think they wanted it to be subservient to the song. 
So yeah. if you if you had a song, you know, like Monster Mash, at the beginning of Monster Mash, you would hear a coffin open up. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I mean, it, it, that's just the way it was. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, <laughs> yeah but and, and and that reminded me that that uh, they they go home humming the melody. Yeah, uh, piece of piece of advice that uh, that reminded me of of Andy and his his uh, economy of notes. Uh, Hendrix was that way as well. For some stuff, you know, yeah. uh, he's yeah. one of the few that you can hum some of his guitar solos. I mean, you can down, 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 down. You literally can hum his because he heard it in his head so much. Yeah. But what gets me about Hendrix is that a lot of it, a lot of guys miss the boat and, and they just want to play solo, 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 solo. And you take a song like Lil Wing. Well, she's walking. Obligato at the end. At the end, there's an outro that lasts maybe I don't know thirty seconds. But guys, uh, they just they just play every freaking note they know, and they miss the melody. They literally uh, miss the idea of the song. And I get it. I get it. You know, I get it because Jimmy's one of those type of thing guys you can interpret in a number of different ways. Yeah. But yeah. um, what I like about that song on that album is just that. Is that there's no long ass solo, yeah, you know? There's yeah. there's the obligato, there's the little wing flying away, basically, you know. And and I get it, I get it, you know. But I got I dig people like Peter Green because you could hum yeah. supernatural. I bet you he couldn't have done it two nights in a row the same way. Because <laughs> the amps in the room, Andy knows what I'm talking about. The amps in the yeah, room. Buddy, yeah, right on, buddy. I never play the same solo twice, yeah. really. It's true. It's really true what Joe says, man. It's, yeah. You don't go home home humming the, the guitar solo. Yeah. Yeah. If you ask me, I let, I let the spirits, man, the spirit take me. This, this pass is opening. Okay. You're falling when you play. I never know what I'm going to play live. 
I let the spirit take me. You have a basic idea when you will stick to the song, mm-hmm. but I, I basically never play really the, the same solo twice. It's, it's a journey, you know. You have not to be afraid to expand the, the borders. Yeah, what, hap- what happens too, you know, and what happens, I think, is that uh, th- there's only eight notes in the scale, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you, once you start playing so many notes over, over and over and over, it starts to cancel out the notes that you've played. So I guarantee you, me and you and Annie can run that. Ma- right now, we can hum the solo to A Hard Day's Night. Down, mm-hmm. down, 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 right. down, 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 You'll never forget that solo. Yeah. You oh, will yeah. never forget that because George Harrison did not play a whole bunch of notes. When he right. played, he played something that he thought would really tie the song in with a great guitar lick. And he was, the boy must have been born out of the womb with taste. Very few people can match taste for someone like him. Yeah. You know, and I guess he saw oh. all the the um, the sort of uh, people getting sort of way over the top, you know, with the guitar solo, yeah. you know, because to be quite honest, once you soloed several times, if everybody you like, you listening to B.B. Yeah. King with with the trio, Chuck Berry with the with the devil stops. When you listen to that, you know that forever. I mean, so why would Chuck Berry want to do all those great ballads that he could do like Nat King Cole and Star to Death? Why would B.B. King play all that bebop that he knows, all that Django Reinhardt stuff that he knows when he mm-hmm. plays around guys like me? But he ain't going to play it on no show because people want to hear him do Sweet 16 or When Love Comes to Town, right? There's mm-hmm. no place right. in that song to put all the complicated stuff into it. So you, right. you sort of, you know, it, it's, I don't know, music to me, like we say about Peter Green and Annie will tell you, we say he played to express. He didn't play to impress. And and that's something that's hard to do. You know, when people are blowing smoke up, telling you how, how great you are when you play 100,000 notes in a minute. Well, my my thing would be you play one note. <laughs> Instead right of on, man. <laughs> I You're... think it's harder also to the less. Less is more. A lot of guys don't realize that's much harder to say a lot by by playing less. But once you get it, it leaves a lot of space. It makes a bigger impact. Like a bigger band. Yeah. yeah. Yes, I believe you're right. You're you're listening to Masterclass, uh, guitar player with Andy Watts and uh, Joe Lewis Walker. That that's uh, I, I, I'm I'm joking, of course, but kind of half not joking. This is this is really rich advice that I I don't I don't think I don't think you could you could buy.
what did you you were friends and roommates with uh, with the late great Mike Bloomfield, Joe? Um, what did he teach you about guitar playing? What kind of what kind of imprint did he he have upon uh, upon your style? Well, he taught me tangible things. Yeah, you know, I mean, he taught me different tunings. He taught me vast pool tuning, G tuning tuning for Sunhouse and Sunhouse played all that beautiful stuff. Okay. Um and he, and he taught me um okay, it's one thing to play an open, you know, you're playing an open key. Mm -hmm. You know, you're playing, you're playing, you know, you're playing a boogie. Okay, so where are you going to go for the four where where are you going to how are you going to hold your hand for the four chord? For the five. For the four and five. How are you going to make that work? Cuz your voice has to go somewhere or either you can you can play hill music, which is sort of like one chord but the voice has to go somewhere you know your voice has to move guy. he was small and he was hungry he had so many words to say he came in from off the corner where some man told him to stay his head hung down, his eyes was drifting. I think Michael learned that by playing behind Jack Rachel and Big Joe yes. Williams and them. Yeah. You know, that that uh he learned that yeah, there's a 12 bar blues somewhere. <laughs> on the, on the, it was here last Friday night. To the, tonight Saturday and it's a 13 bar blues you know what I mean <laughs> tonight's John Lee Hooker it's a 13 last night was like in half it's 11 bar blues tomorrow night you know what I mean and you have to be able to be adaptable I, I, and Michael taught me that as well as he taught me uh, taught me a lot about playing piano you know so uh, he, he was very much a mentor to you lap steel he taught me how to play lap steel yeah you know um he used to tell me, you know, come to some of my gigs, and he'd say, "It's a good thing you can sing because you ain't playing nothing," <laughs> which was sort of, you know, what, what you tell your little brother or somebody, you know, to motivate them. You know, it was a throwdown. <laughs> it was a throwdown. Oh, I mean, oh, believe me, I, I've been, um, I, I appreciate those uh, um, because I know when someone emotionally tells you something like a Mike Bloomfield or or or, yeah. or a BB Kane. Yeah. You know, or or someone like that. I know they mean it. You know, I mean BB BB's not was not on an ego trip. You know, Mike was not on an ego trip. In fact he withdrew from the music business because he, isn't that amazing? We're talking about three guys that could play that were very instrumental. Mike Bloomfield, Peter Green and 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 BB King. Mike Bloomfield withdrew from the music business because he didn't like the shucking and jiving. That's what he called it. Wow. Peter Green withdrew from the music business because he didn't like the shucking and jiving. They try to blame it on some sort of drug thing in, in Germany, but that's been disproven. Right, okay? right. Now, he just had a bad yeah. night. Who ain't had a bad night? But um, Peter Green did not like the music. And if you look at that version of Fleetwood Mac, it damn near looks like Spinal Tap. You know, I mean, when <laughs> yeah. you look what happened with, Dan yeah. with Danny Kerwin, you know, just dying here, what, a year and a half ago? And yeah. you might know Danny Kern dying broke. Peter, Peter Green dying. Yeah. Uh, you know, um, Jeremy Spence 
with mm-hmm. all of his issues. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and the only two got away was Mick Fleetwood and John McVie, the guy that was the group that was named after. Right. And that that version of Fleetwood Mac is definitely not the version that Peter Green started. And I can appreciate it. Don't get me wrong. I, I think when they when they got Lindsey Buckingham, they, they got somebody that could really, really write and play. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. I mean that's who they that was their next Peter Green. Because <laughs> Lindsey Buckingham don't play a lot of notes. Did you <laughs> know or did you ever meet Peter Green? I played on his uh one of his records. And okay. uh, we we did a couple of tours together. Okay. Uh huh. And and I, I got along with him real good. Yeah. Uh, he, a, a friend of mine was was the guitar player that was was told was the guy that was take more or less taking care of Peter at, at that particular time. or looking out for him, a guy named uh-huh. Nigel Watson. Uh huh. And and so um, Nigel had called me and, and said, you know, Joe Peter was, was interested in you playing on his record, and um, I. After I picked myself up off the ground, I said, well, you know, when I was living in East Croydon, I'd go to Brighton all the time looking for Peter Green. And so they would always say, well, he just left or he's he's living rough, which means, you know, you're sleeping out on the bench or something over there. Yeah. So I was always looking for Peter Green. You know, it was a couple of people I was always looking for. Mm-hmm. And he was one of them. If your man get personal, want to have your fun. If you may get personal, want to have your fun. Come on back to fries for mama, buy house all night long. I got women's and Vicksburg, clean on into ten. people I was looking for. Uh, I found both of them. <laughs> yeah. Both of them played in Les Paul. I liked them a, a lot. A credit guy that I know played with Spooky Tooth. He ended up uh, playing with another group named himself Ariel Bender. Right. He, I liked his style when he's played with Spooky Tooth because mm-hmm. I've seen like, the English guys come to San Francisco, you know, and, and when, you know, they had, they had the amps and they had the guitars, you know, and it's just the great sound for blues, you know, uh, uh I won't even call it blues rock because what, what they were doing, Jeff Beckman, you know, they, they was calling the rave up, you know. Yeah, so they started yeah. one speed and st- end up at another speed like they did when <laughs> I'm a man, when they had a hit when I'm a man. So I, I won't even call it blues rock because when you listen to the solos that, that on, on, on the Yardbirds records, they were pretty tight and concise, yeah. you know. And even when they did their, when, when, they, when, they, when they stretched out, it wasn't really long. I mean, for them to play I'm a man on AM radio they had to kind of make it you know mm-hmm. sort of concise then they what they had it over on the sideways down and, and all that stuff you know and then they had to get to the point
experimenting, those could have gone a lot of different directions. They did. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. But I mean, they, they, they could have they could have gone in in the wrong direction musically, but they were they were at the top of their of their game. The, those songs, as you said, were tight and concise and to the point. The way you get to the right part yeah. is you got to do the wrong part. So believe me, they okay. had plenty of nights yeah. where they were saying this ain't working. Yeah, you know, and they, you know, and and then when they found it, the right combination it worked. It worked <laughs> when it yeah. worked. Yeah, you know, because it was exciting when you're a young person and and, and you you know you. You're a young guy playing guitar, and the first time you hear a fuss song, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know, and it's 1965, and I'm listening to this thing, and what the hell is this thing that Jeff Beck's got? <laughs> you know, when he went to film auditorium, and it's like yeah. live, you know. So yes, yeah, so it was. Um, yeah, that's exactly uh, exactly the same thing that uh, that Martin Barr um, said on this program um, earlier in the year. He 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 said, and and he and, and he kind of faulted new guitar players because they don't have the opportunity to get up on stage and experiment and fail. Yeah. Right. Well, you could talk to Andy about that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We, you know, everyone, I think that is once you go out and play, you got to expand things and maybe yeah. there's something in there because you maybe have a different concept today, yeah. even though yeah. the, uh, the, uh, the the electric guitar refused to die. I think that it's 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 probably if you look today on the music that is produced, electric car maybe not so much in the forefront as it was back in the sixties and seventies and the heydays, but it's coming back. It's not going to go away mm -hmm. anytime soon. It's still there, and uh, I yeah. think it's 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 a thing to uh, uh, as you know as as Miles Davis said. There's not such a thing as a wrong note. The question is what you do next, you know? So it's just go there, experiment. I think it's important to do. I do that all the time. And, um, and it works for me. I think it's, it's good to not to feel uh, bounded by anything. Just keep on experimenting. That's how, that's how you make the music happening, you know? Yeah. I, I mentioned in the, uh, in the introduction, Joe, that B.B. King and you recorded one of your songs, Everybody Had the Blues. How did that duet come about with bb king i met bb king when i lived with bloomfield yeah so in the 70s so yeah. you know um and of course my mother and then would go see bb when he came to the uh -huh. bay area because at the time bb was the biggest african-american blues star in, in the fillmore district that i lived in was predominantly african-american japanese uh -huh. and jewish uh -huh. Uh -huh. uh, so I went to junior high school after I went to film auditorium. So to make a long story short, yeah. I got to see B.B. King on, on a couple of occasions. My mom, you know, I got to see Little Richard when he got religion. I took my grandmother to the film wow. bar. You know, Jimi Hendrix, playing there, you know, with Richard. Uh -huh. So I got to see a, a lot of those guys. But I, I, I don't know when young people start leaving the, the Midwest and the North, in, in the Northeast because it was so cold and coming to San Francisco to tune in and drop out. They wanted to do the same with music. Uh -huh. So I, I think all the music started um, getting together. And this is a long way to answer your question, but I know what your question you asked me about, BB. Yeah. But um, but when, 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 when it did start happening, Bill Graham, when he took over, and Chet Helms as a family dog, they would always have a, 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 a lineup like this. Jefferson Airplane, Howlin' Wolf, and you met Sakila, uh -huh. or the birds, muddy waters, 
and Chico Hamilton, you know, or the Grateful Dead, the Neville Brothers, and uh, um, Gary Burton Quartet with char with a uh, Larry Coryell on guitar. So you got to see all all that stuff. Yeah. But he always certain certain people Bill, Bill Graham like blues guys. Mm -hmm. He loved James Cotton. So he'd have James Cotton there all the time. He loved Albert King. He'd have Albert King there all the time. He mm -hmm. loved Muddy Waters. He loved Howlin' Wolf. I've seen them all there. Yeah. Who did he leave out? B.B. King. Mm -hmm. He never had B.B. King there. And and so Michael Bloomfield had to go to Bill Graham and says, look, you know, unless you have B.B. King here, I, I can't play here anymore. Wow. You know, because most of the musicians that are playing here are pretty much playing a lot of what BB invented, and you know you've had all the, you've had these guys, you've had Count Basie, you've had Duke Ellington. You should have the King, you know. And uh, Bill Graham said, "Okay, we'll, we'll have him." And before BB played one note, he got a standing ovation. Mm -hmm. So, so BB was sort of, for some reason, not a hippie darling. For some reason. Uh, Albert King was, you know, certain guys were, I mean, they were huge, you know, you could, you, you, again, next to all your Almond Brothers records, you'll see an Albert King live wire blues power at the film auditorium. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, you know, and it's, it's strange because when you think about it, why didn't, why didn't you see Bo Diddley playing a lot at the film auditorium? Yeah. You know, why didn't you see Chuck Berry playing a lot at the film auditorium? Why didn't you see Lil Walter playing a lot at the film auditorium? You know, there was a certain type of blues guy that was, and and, and the older guys too, of mm -hmm. course, mm -hmm. but they, they played mostly at the club, the Matrix on the weekdays, and then they might play the Fillmore or a smaller blues act like Magic Sam or Earl Hooker or Mississippi Fred McDowell or Sunhouse, you know, or, or, or Lil Walter or the Howlin' Wolf, but then the Howlin' Wolf graduated to the Fillmore. So, I, I mean, I hope that answers your question. Um, about BB uh, and, and the way that I got to do the record with BB that he called me and I told him you know it just so happens I wrote a song for you it's called Everybody's Had the Blues and, and he said well you know I'd be I'd be honored if you play on my record I said yeah It's a great song, and and the reason I asked that was, you know, I'm sure a lot of people wrote songs for him that uh, that he went, oh, thank you, and and moved on. But uh, you know, he he loved that song enough to have oh, you not not only record the song but have you play along with it. Well, I only agreed to do it if he used my band. Okay, okay, that's my band playing on it. All right. <laughs> 
so because I'm sort of you know, and BB sort of knows me as, as someone who produces. What I yeah. have a sound. I have yeah. something that I hear yeah. in my ear. And believe me, I know BB back and the guys can play everything yeah. because we were on the um the other track that we did that he put on his live record. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, he kept track me and him did keep on shuffling, and that that's his band. That was live, you know, at his club there in Memphis. But for that song, everybody's had the blues. I re I had recorded that song for an album called The Gift. Yeah. But I don't. I think it had just come out. I don't know if it. And I, but I'd written it for BB King, so he was kind of. But I've written a couple songs for BB, and, and okay. it worked out really good. It's a, it's a little bit off the music topic, but not not terribly. I think it's it's informative uh, and, and comes directly from your from your history. You grew up in gang and crime troubled neighborhoods in in San Francisco. Um, is there a difference from where you grew up uh, then and and the place where um, especially black youth are today? Well. You know, if if I can, you know, just just lay the table a little bit. Yeah. Uh, my father, my father from from Cleveland, Mississippi. My mother's from Little Rock, Arkansas. Yeah. Okay. Uh, they met on the way to a, a, a leaving both those areas because they 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 just couldn't get ahead in those areas. Yeah. yeah. Um. So, uh, I I was pretty much really raised in Central Valley, in Madeira, Fresno area. Mm -hmm. That's where I learned to pick produce. I, I learned how to pick produce, speak a little Spanish, because with nobody out there but us and most Spanish-speaking people. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, so my father moved to, and then he moved into a really nice area um, called the Ingleside area. And um, uh, it was only two African-American families there. Our family moved in, and uh, the Stewart family, the Stewart families. Three kids were musicians too. They mm -hmm. had a, a, a daughter named Rosie, a son named Freddie, and a son, another son, Sylvester. And their father was a preacher, so that was ended up being sliding a family stone. Okay, so they lived about eight blocks from me in an all-white neighborhood. I went to an all-white Catholic school until I was about oh nine years old, ten years old. Yeah. Uh, so I didn't move to the ghetto until my mother and father split up. They had a uh, 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 split up that didn't last forever yeah. but just yeah. long enough to where you know when things come apart with the family to make a long story short mother and father break up mom takes the kids we move to the projects yeah. in the Fillmore district uh -huh. and my mom says well you go up there four blocks to the project up there and your cousin up there they got a band 
So I'm thinking, you know, this this, this they got a little, they ain't, they ain't know it. I get up to the block and they live on the third floor and I see nothing but people lining all the floors coming down dancing in the hallways, mostly girls. And I got upstairs, I knocked on the door and there, there was my aunt. She said, come on in. And there was the, the guy, my cousin's playing. And I was like, I couldn't believe it. I was in heaven, you know? And, and so to answer your question, my mother made a deal with me. If, I, if you stay out of gangs, if you don't go, if you go to a music class, then, and you give up something. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I said, what do I have to give up? She said, sports. If you're going to go, I'm not going to pay for a guitar and you're going to break your hand. So I was able to teach my cousins the rudiments of music yeah. because being 12, going to a teacher every week, by about six weeks, I was pretty, pretty sharp. So yeah. I, I knew my, my minor, my yeah. minors, my major to answer your question. So, but where I grew up at, yeah, it, it was, it was serious gangs and, and, and I was in one for a while, but I, I was never, me and my, my cousins, we were always the, the soundtrack to the games, <laughs> you know, to be honest about it. Right. But we were also, you know, we do our battles of the bands. We go play it for the 4-H club in Sacramento. Mm -hmm. I mean, it literally gave us something to do that was positive that a lot of my friends are dead and gone now just because of what you mentioned, yeah. you know, that, that they didn't have something to do. And, and when drugs became the scourge of the, of the neighborhood, yeah. um, and, and and then not because of of a, I think of intentional, but when the hippies moved in, yeah. they sort of moved us out, you know, because the the city planner moved us all out and said, well, we're gonna uh, fix these beautiful old um, Victorian four story Victorians. We're gonna move, and then, we, then you're gonna fix the the land around here and fix the streets and fix it. Then you guys can come back in. We're gonna bring. Them. Well, you know what? They took the Victorians. They put them on Knob Hill. And uh, we never, we never, <laughs> we, we moved back to the projects. So it sort of took all of us to be quite honest about it, you know, and, and a lot of my friends who would have had a little bit of a, a generational money mm -hmm. uh, because of, of the property value. Cause mm -hmm. I, I went to the house that my father had bought that me and my brothers and sisters fixed all the four stories up. Mm -hmm. And I, I went there about 20, 23 years ago. And I walked in and I said, how much is this house for? And they said $3 million. Oh, my God. You know, and, and, and I just said, well, you know, thank you, Justin Herman. Because that was the city planner who moved all of us out. And then we moved us back in. It literally was like a bomb went off. All yeah. the clubs that we all played at, I mean, all the beautiful, they were going to tear down the film auditorium. It was a big, big fight about that. And they left the film auditorium. The only reason they left it, I think, because Bill Graham still had
think now what young people see now is what all young people see, which is which is social media, which is you know I don't want to be work to be a musician. I just want to be a rich musician. I don't want to work to be an actor. I just want to be a rich. I just want to be you know I want to be rich and famous. Mm-hmm. And you know and there's nothing wrong with that, I guess. But I I guess it's the same reason because why people don't read books anymore, but they'll they'll look at this thing until the cows come on yeah you know yeah <laughs> i like to read a book once in a while <laughs> absolutely uh, I, I i write them and i appreciate people who who read books once in a while so thank yeah. you <laughs> but you you had said uh you had said you were a product of where you came from and so i i, I guess i'm i'm looking for a little bit of advice to young black men in finding in finding their way, whether it's music or something else, or finding their passion, if, if you have any thoughts on that. Yeah, there, 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 there's opportunities, mm-hmm. you know, but you, you just gotta realize you're dodging a bullet. Yeah. You know, yeah. And, and and that's you know, it, it's it's like if if you were to roll a clock back a hundred years, yeah, and you you went to a um a sweat lodge. Mm-hmm. And there was nothing in there but a hunk pop of warriors, and you turn and you ask them the same question. I'm sure <laughs> Bull would have just said, "Yeah, but you'd be dodging a bullet." <laughs> and and so that that's the cold hard reality. And and I don't, yeah. you know, I, I I just hope that uh, you know, like Rodney King said, that we all can get along. We all seem to be able to get along when we're on the killing fields together, or on the football field together, or on the soccer field together when we're all winning and yeah. when we're all losing. It's amazing, you know, that when someone's in, a, in a, a, a firefight, he doesn't care if the person next to him is LGBTQ, as long as you got my back. He don't care if the guy's next to him is Mexican. He don't yeah. care if he came across the border with his mother and he's been here for 29 years. Yeah, You don't care. You know, you don't care if that guy there was, you know, might have said some word that nobody should be saying, but he don't say it all the time. Uh-huh. So you all together, you know. It's it, and and to me, and I leave it at this. It's like my favorite song. It's by Dolly Parton, and it's called "A Coat of Many Colors." Back through the years, I go wondering once again. Back to the seasons of my youth, I recall box of rags that someone gave us and how my mama put the rags to use there were rags of many colors but every piece was small and I didn't have a coat and it was a way down in the fall mama sewed the rags together so in every piece we loved she made my coat of many colors that I was so proud of As she sold, she told a story From the Bible she had read About a coat of many colors Joseph The gist of it is this Is that if you look at a coat with many colors You're not picking one You say, okay, well, you, I want to get rid of one color If you get one a color The coat starts to unravel You see what I'm saying? Literally yeah, basically yeah. unravel when you take one color out. So when Dolly Parton wrote that song, she knew what the hell she was writing about, you know. Mm-hmm. And that's the way I feel. 
You know, I, I feel um, that's what we are here, and that's what makes us strong, mm -hmm. and that's what we've been. Nobody knows what would it, what it'll be like if it was somebody else's dream, because that could be a nightmare. But this is what the forefathers envision. Yeah, what we have here. Absolutely. Other people say it's just one type of person. The forefathers didn't have that. They really didn't. They really didn't. They left that door open. Yeah. Because when you think of the 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 real, everybody say I got. I got a dog in this fight. Yeah. Everybody in this American experiment has a dog in the fight. Everybody sacrificed. Everybody basically has everybody's blood running through their veins. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm working on a book called uh, called A History of Light for the Artist, and where I talk about the uh, the ascending steps of of culture and how they fed human evolution. And uh, we we all we all hearken back to that those first ancestors. That's that's our lifeblood, our genetic lifeblood for for everybody on the planet. Andy, I'd I'd love your your thoughts here before we uh, we close on on what Joe was just talking about. I think it's uh, very interesting, and uh, it reminds me how much things uh, Joe has been doing. And how much things have been going through, and it's it's uh, it's been amazing to hear that. Uh, look, today uh, in Israel, the same thing. You know, it's uh, uh, we all have different Israel. It's it's really a, a melting pot of people from all around the world, of course. Yeah, yeah. And uh, that's that's it's crossroads. So not only in history, not only right in the world, also by by people having a common denominator being uh, uh, the, the, the religion of being Jewish, but that is, that is not only the thing because in Israel, of course, there's been a lot of tension as well. It's always in every country you have tensions, but one way to unravel this as we're seeing now is that, um, of course, Israel has so much pressure from the outside. So uh, it's, it's unifying, that's a big unifying factor for for the people here, mm -hmm. but many times, uh, uh, some saying here that art, the art, the best art you will always present when you are not in a comfortable situation. I, I, I don't think so, because I think most artists would like to be in a space, as Joe said before, where it's comfortable, everything is running, everyone to, yeah. to, be, able to be successful. Yeah. But uh, Israel at the moment, as it is, uh, it, it, it's, it's 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 a it's a pressure cooker. Always going to be pressure cooker, uh, politically wise. Uh, United States is always very much involved here. We have things with Iran. We have every. There's always something happening here. Yeah. And uh, if you reflect that uh, to the to the music, um, people are very uh, uh, open-minded, warm-hearted, receiving good music. And uh, yeah. I'm I'm uh, at the moment on the lucky uh, receiving end of that because. Um, we do play a lot, and we have a, a good response, and uh, we're trying to, to bridge that in, in the bands, the, the people in my band, all coming from different backgrounds, you know, from different ethnic backgrounds. So it's we've spoken. You know, music with, is always the unified factor. We've spoken with Palestinian blues artists uh, and uh, and and uh, blues artists in Pakistan and around the world 
it truly is uh it truly is a um a universal language and uh it's just amazing uh so um I, I should make a make a quick note here Shirley uh Shirley King wasn't able to connect for some reason well we we did a test and and uh and she was able to connect that way earlier uh so I, I'm not sure what the what the issue is but I'll, I'll get a hold of her and Maybe we'll maybe we'll all, all do this again together here soon. Andy Watts uh, is an interna international blues sensation. He is a true guitar slinger. His website is andywattsguitarslinger.com. Uh, by the way, do you have, do you have a, a? Are you working on a new album? Oh yeah, I'm um, I'm working on it, but you know, it's it's things has to come from from inside. You know, if you sit down and say, "I'm going to write a song," it's not happening. It's work. It's a work in progress. You know, it's yeah. got to provoke things. And uh, I have some things that I'm, I'm cooking all the time. And uh, nice. Um, I, I really hope I really hope that I have something exciting to present to my good buddy Joe that will make him excited. And say, you know what, Andy. Uh, maybe I'll sing another song for you. Uh, I have to bring something good. I have to bring something cool, and I and I love to see Joe back in Israel, of course. I, I'm I'm sure you will. Uh, Joe Lewis Walker is a wise man for two lifetimes. His blues is eternal. The website is JoeLewisWalker.com. Now, uh, now you know I'm, I will. Yeah, have, I will be um, sending you uh, our new record. Uh, we recorded a, a new album, all original material of myself and. Eric Corn on the Forty Below label. Okay, the label that has uh, John Mayall and and uh, Sugar Ray Rayford. This and, would be uh, the uh, follow up to uh, to Electric Electric, right? Yes. Yeah. Uh, and this is on Forty Below label. Um, uh, although we had a great time working with Cleopatra, and we're going to be doing some things with them, some other different type of projects in the future. Um, but we have a new record coming out in, in, entitled "The Weight of the World." The Weight of the World. Very nice. So we're we gonna. Uh, are we going to get any uh, any new any of the new stuff on uh, on this uh, tour? Oh yeah. Uh -huh. Oh, very yeah. nice. Yeah, but um, we, we we'll have a, a single coming out in the in the beginning of October, and uh, then we'll let more singles out. But the album will be out next February, and uh, we're really uh, excited about it. It's, like I said, it's all original stuff uh, that I wrote or that Eric Corn wrote. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. We we, wrote, we did write a song together. And, I wrote another song with my friend Gabriel Jagger, which we've written a couple of things before. Yeah, yeah. So um, we're, we're looking forward to doing some more stuff uh, in the future. But that is uh, what I'm up to. Very nice, very nice. Yeah, I was just going to ask you that, and I was going to expand a little bit on on a couple of the uh, the dates you've got here, especially in the Midwest. September 11th, you'll be at Big Top in St. Louis, uh, and the uh, the Mississippi Blues Festival on the 16th. Uh, and then that brings you around here to Chicago uh, at Hainani uh, in Arlington Heights on the 17th. Then you're off to France in 2023, no, right? I'm, I'm going to the islands first. Okay. <laughs> I always do that for two weeks in January. All right. Yeah, but I'll be doing some more gigs. We'll be playing in Quebec uh, in, in October. Oh, nice. We'll, uh, up, up, up in uh, Quebec City. Yeah. And we'll be uh, doing some more planned uh, up in um, New Jersey, Beverly, New Jersey, mm -hmm. um, and uh, I'll be doing some stuff with um, for the Blue Society, uh, myself, and some more musicians. We're going to be doing some sort of benefits type things there. So we'll do a few more things, you know, before the year's out. 
and I always look forward to going to uh, Mystique, the island of Mystique, and uh, in the end of January to February, and then home for the release of the record, and mm -hmm. then the we will start probably uh, in France, unless we do Italian gigs before that or after that. But the tour is a little bit longer. It's three weeks now, but it's a little bit longer because um, I'm now going to be going to Italy and, and different places like that, Spain. So nice. it should be a, a, a you know, um, we're looking forward to it and, and hope everybody stays happy, healthy and happy. And, you know, um, uh, hope the next year is better than the last year. Mm -hmm. And uh, I, I would be remiss if I didn't mention from Electric Electric, uh, you do uh, Werewolves of London, uh, the uh, the uh, the Warren Zevon classic. Uh, I, I remember Waddy Wattell. Yeah, Waddy Wattell. It's and Waddy's playing on that track. If you play that track, that's Waddy playing the slide guitar from it. Yep. But yeah, you you man. rework that song. It, it's a beautiful, beautiful cover that still maintains the the strength of the original. But it's wholly a different composition. Well, Waddy liked it, and if Waddy likes it, um, that's that's ninety nine ninety ninth of going to sleep good. If Waddy didn't like it, I wouldn't be sleeping so good. <laughs> that's it, Joe Lewis Walker Jr. Uh, hey, Nani dot com. Uh, by the way, for for tickets to the September seventeenth uh, show. Uh, in Arlington Heights here. Joe Lewis Walker Jr., thank you so, so much, brother. Well, you, you, thank you very much, but uh, you can leave the junior out. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, you know, I, 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 I don't know where that came from. It just it just kind of came out. Uh, because yeah. I, I, I don't it's have okay. it here in front of me. I just have Joe Lewis Walker. Thank you, <laughs> thank you so much. Well, well, a lot of people you get me mixed up with Junior Walker. I've um, yet to get a Junior Walker check in the mail, though. And, uh, and 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 I have to I have to send this uh, when it's when it's done and up in uh, in a day or so uh, I have to send this to Shirley uh, she's got a super fan of yours who will promote the hell out of that show. Oh, Shirley, good people, you know. She, Shirley, she really is. She really is. I've known her for a long time. Yeah, she's great. Andy, uh, you're you're amazing as well. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. It was great to be in your presence. It was a great time. Yeah, it was It was great. Uh, you guys take good care, and we'll All see right. you again soon. Okay, see you later, Andy. Good to see you. See you later, yo. Take care, All brother. All right, man. Good to see you. Speak soon. Bye-bye. to Shirley King, daughter of the late great B.B. King, who was unable to join us today. Shirley's great album, Blues for a King, is available at shirleyking.bandcamp.com. 
and we will link to Jill Lewis Walker, Andy Watts, and Shirley King in the notes below, as well as a link to Hey Nani in Arlington Heights. That'll do it for this episode. If you like this program, please click on the subscribe button below. Until next time. Oh,